Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Radio program. I'm your host, Frat House Mike, and I'm joined today by a special guest who's covering all of the action going out there. Jim, what's happening? Well, hello, friend. Right now, I'm on the 14th hole. We're watching Sidekick. He is mired in quite a bunker. And it appears he is going for quintuple bogey. He has been at this hole for three hours. He is back to play unlike any other. Did I mention this is a tradition <laughs> unlike any other? Hello, friends. Uh, outstanding, outstanding stuff there. All right, well, welcome, everyone. Yes. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't do a David Faraday impression. Uh, that's, that's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, you have yes, you have made it to Fan Junkies Radio, folks. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Frat House Mike here, sitting in for Jonathan Regis, uh, who unfortunately could not be with us today, and sitting in for Frat House Mike. You've got Jim Williams. Jim, oh. how are we doing today, huh? Oh, the seat's nice and warm. Right. Thank you. Much appreciated. Doing well. Doing well. <laughs> We've got uh, we got quite a show, and we yes, we are going to be talking. We cover it all right here. We cover it all at Fan Junkies Radio. We're going to be talking. Just a little bit about the Masters because uh, we can't uh, we can't not with all the controversy that went on. Yeah, but uh, let's kick it off with our uh, today in uh, sports and uh, you know it's, what, what else could it be? I was going to say it's kind of overshadowed. I mean, you know, there were other things that have taken place on this particular day um, in 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 our sports history, including back in 2000 when Cal Ripken became the 24th major league player to hit 3,000 hits. Mm. But really, uh, everybody knows today. It's 1947. It is Jackie Robinson Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jackie Robinson, of course, on this particular day, played his first Major League Baseball game for the Brooklyn Dodgers. So, kind of anticlimactic, but uh, nonetheless uh, worth recognizing. We had to go there. Absolutely. I mean, and the movie, which is getting rave reviews, 42, I definitely want to see it, and I want to make plans to see it in the next week or so. Uh, it's it's going doing well at the box office, and it is a you know it's great that it's out because it also uh, allows a, a new generation to understand at least get a glimpse as to the hardships that Jackie Robinson had to endure, not just to play baseball but to live in the society that was present in the 1940s. Well, and you know um, it's interesting, uh, Jim, because. I, I, from the trailers, and I, I haven't seen the movie uh, myself either. Uh, I think today is actually is today the official opening. 
Uh, no, it opened over the weekend, and uh, matter of fact, it uh, was the number one film at the box office, getting $27.3 million, and that's wow. uh, much stronger than analysts uh, had projected. It beat out Scary Movie 5 if you're scoring at home. Well, uh, it better. Yeah, well, Charlie Sheen <laughs> and Tiger Blood notwithstanding, yes. Um, but from some of the trailers that I have seen, uh, and, you know, you and I know the Jackie Robinson story, of course. I'm I'm, sure. I'm a bit older than yourself, so I've even heard the Jackie Robinson story uh, for that much longer. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't even realize until I saw some of the trailer clips from the movie, really, how bad it was for him trying to break into... Uh, you know, break into Major League Baseball. How 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 horrible the situation really was, and how much that man just persevered. It it, it truly is amazing. It took an incredible human being to do what he did, and nobody else could have done it. And I mean that as no disrespect to the various other uh, first-time African American players who joined their teams in the '40s, '50s, and '60s. Philadelphia, Boston, among others, were late to integrate. Uh, but Jackie Robinson was the benchmark. And, uh, you know, everything comes full circle to what we talked about last week about the task force now uh, in Major League Baseball. With And we're not going to beat that horse dead again uh, today. We already talked about that. But it's interesting. Uh, you know, an amazing, it takes an amazing individual to withstand the hate that uh, immature and unknowledgeable people uh, brought forth. Yeah. So there, uh, there it is. I, I, I believe I heard as usual the protocol. All of the teams that will be in action today, all of the players for every team will be wearing the number forty-two. Correct. Which makes it incredibly difficult as broadcasters to, to, get to that. follow. Yes, correct. <laughs> Particularly if you're following a team that you don't normally that you don't normally watch. All I know is okay. Uh, Trout's in left field. Okay, that's fine. That yeah. works. That works for me. You know the. Um, uh, we are expecting to be joined in here, I guess, in around the 12.15 mark today. We had Dan Barton on uh, with Jonathan and I on Friday. Mm-hmm. Dan is kind of the spokesman for the rage against the Marlins. Uh, I, I, I keep calling it a movement. And, and, you know, Jim, I had brought it up last Wednesday when I had you on with me here. Um, uh, he's part of the group that apparently was tossed out of the uh, Marlins Park last Monday during the home opener when mm-hmm. they showed up wearing some T-shirts that were disgruntling against uh, the ownership of the Marlins. He uh, is supposed to be joining us again. He was on with us on Friday. He's supposed to be joining us again with a little bit of, um, uh, I guess, an update. Uh, yeah. There was apparently some things that happened over the past uh, couple of days. He'll be mm-hmm. on, and he will be joining. he'll be joined by... He is attorney Parker Felix, so we'll be looking for both of them to be coming on with us in around the 12-15 mark. I, when we're just waiting to find out what, in fact, kind of update he's going to be bringing to us. He had indicated when he was on with us on Friday that, uh, rather surprisingly, the Marlins had reached out to the group Rage Against the Marlins via their Twitter account. So they apparently, uh, the, the folks at Rage Against Marlins, uh, put their attorney on it, and their attorney apparently got in touch with the Marlins, and I guess we're going to wait and see what that what what came about as a result of that communication. So they struck a nerve, and that's that says something. They well, struck it, a nerve it, with it the sure Marlins. Does. Uh, obviously, they struck a nerve, and regardless of how it turned, regardless of what I guess Dan and his attorney might be reporting to us, it's obvious that, that you know they got their attention, didn't they? 
Mm-hmm. So, what got our attention, however, over the weekend and got everybody's attention uh, was the Masters. Yes, terrific, terrific uh, uh, Masters uh, tournament this past weekend, uh, Jim. Mm-hmm. Albeit somewhat overshadowed by uh, the the illegal drop on Friday. Uh, don't get me. St- oh my God! Don't get me started on this. Well, it, it, it's amazing. I'll right, we'll set it up and then I'll, I'll comment on. Yeah, it. I, I I think I got to kind of because I'll tell you. Um, I do not understand. Here's here's the issue. Apparently, there was an illegal drop <coughs> uh, performed by uh, uh, Tiger Woods. Of all people, it would have to be Tiger. Of course. Um, and uh, on Friday, and apparently it was reviewed at the time that it occurred. Rules committee said, fine, no problem, move forward. And he advanced forward, and he ended the day, I believe, with a 70, was it a, I think he ended the day with a 69, I think it was, I think it was 69. 69 or 70, yeah. And uh, so, of course, he has to sign his scorecard, and he signs his scorecard, and he submits it. And uh, at that point, you know, Everything was copacetic. All is well, well. Go back to Lindsey Vaughn. On to the next. Yeah, until Saturday morning when apparently the Rules Committee pulls him in and they had reviewed it again a second time and said, oh, guess what? We made a boo-boo. Uh, your drop was, uh, was, not, was not legal. And so, therefore, uh, we have to penalize you a two-stroke. Uh, well, this immediately uh, – and, and apparently he was not disqualified. Uh, because the rules committee said, well, we can't, and just justifiably, we can't disqualify him because he unbeknownstly signed a scorecard that was in error. Well, I'm fine with that. So yeah. I've got to ask the question: Why are so many people screaming that he's a cheater and that he should have been disqualified, or that he should have disqualified himself? I don't get it. He's not a cheater. And remember, the person – it was actually pointed out to the Rules Committee by a viewer on television who phoned into them. This is like – well, let's, let's say you watch a Phillies game, and you're unhappy, and you know for a fact that an umpire's call in a deciding ninth-inning situation was a ball when they called it a strike. This is like you being able to call them up uh, – yes, uh, yeah, that last pitch – uh, I have on good authority that was a strike. Uh, you may want to uh, revisit that and then bring everybody out on the field. You don't do that. Right. You can't do that. And the fa- and this doesn't. Ha- this isn't the first time this has happened. This has happened a number of times in golf. Some people who are fans of golf take their uber fandom and uber rules critiquing a little too seriously. I mean, good God. Yeah. I, you know. I, I, Somebody had an out for Tiger, I think, when it comes to this whole uh, ballyhooing of everything. It's the most ridiculous thing I have maybe ever seen. Woohoo! And, and then ESPN and others reviewed it later, and you know they've got telestrations of this is where the ball oh was God. originally, and and here's where it is now. It's all of yeah. He actually hurt his cause, Tiger, technically with the drop because he actually put himself about a yard further back. So if anything, he was hurting himself with the drop, not helping himself. You know what would have made the Telestrator uh, illustration so much better? John Madden. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> here, here you go. Here, you, you got the ball, ball right there. <laughs> oh, Brett Favre. Boom. <laughs> and here's a guy. Here's a guy. He, dropped, he had the ball. He dropped the ball. <laughs> Boom. Tough acting to neck. Oh. 
nicely done. Uh, but uh, Pat Summerall back on the tower drinking again. Um, oh God! But uh, you know, I I I assimilated it to an umpire as you just did uh, in the analogy that I put up on our Frat House Sports Facebook page. Mm-hmm. I, I as you did, I I drew the analogy to an umpire making the wrong call, and it being a wrong call at a critical moment in a game where it affects the outcome of a game and another team benefits from it that shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Is that team, that team that just benefited from that, that won the game as a result of that pickle, are they going to stand there and come back into the locker room there after the fact and say to Major League Baseball, oh, by the way, listen, we want to disqualify our own game that we just won because the <laughs> guy made a mistake. I mean, come on. who? You, you, why, why should Tiger Woods disqualify himself? Even if he did know, even if he's looking at it going, oh, I think these guys screwed up. Hey, listen, we're all looking for a leg up in sports. And if the rules people, if the umpires and the officials are going to give me that leg up, for God's sake, we've all played sports ourselves. How many times I should have been called for penalties playing hockey? I'm looking at the referee. He ain't calling it. I'm going, okay, fine with me. <laughs> It's like that commercial you see for, uh, uh, you know, good sportsmanship. Pass it on. I, the ball, I knocked the ball out of bounds. How many times does somebody really admit they knocked the ball out of bounds? Yeah. Come on. So I, I, yeah. I really, really do not think that, and I, I really don't understand. And, you know, I don't know. I, you hear this kind of thing all the time where it's, you know, uh, this is what I've heard in the past couple of days from the talking heads and the analysts. Well, Golf fans and golf pros are of a different ilk. It's a gentleman's game, and mm-hmm. you're supposed to stay at... And I'm like, ah, oh, come on, poppycock! <laughs> I mean, seriously! I, 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 I don't get it, and, uh, and, and I think, unfortunately, it did overshadow what was really a terrific, terrific... Um, uh, uh, terrific tournament. Yeah, which ended up in a uh, in a playoff, two holes. Yeah. It went two holes mm-hmm. uh, between Adam Scott and Angel uh, Cabrera. Oh yeah, and you had <clears throat> excuse me, you had some comments on that, uh, Jim, with regard to the uh, with regard to the playoff. Go ahead. It was unbelievable. I got back just in time to see the beginning of the playoff, and it was shot for shot. I mean, these guys hit within yard, you know, a yard or two of each other on every shot, and even right down to the uh, ultimate uh, end all be all, you know, Cabrera almost holes out on a long putt, and then you've got Scott who holes out on a on a semi long putt as well. It was it was tit for tat. It yeah. was great great uh, action. I was Skyping with a couple of my pals uh, watching this, and we're just all in disbelief at how good this is. And congratulations go out to Adam Scott, the first Aussie to win the Masters Tournament. Also, we got to give a shout-out to the amateur 14-year-old. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Yep, yep. Terrific, terrific job. From uh, from China, name escapes me, and I probably would butcher the name, so I will I will not even try it. Tianlang Guan. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's number Wang. Very good. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, that's uh, very good. Uh, no, but seriously, great job. 14 years old, and he's putting up those kind of numbers. Yep. It's unbelievable. And talk about controversies. Whoever got him on slow playing, fight me. Okay, <laughs> come on. He's 14. It's his first major tournament. Come yep. on. Yeah. Uh, anyway. 
Well, I want to get back into it uh, a little bit. I want to bring up one more issue with regard to uh, the Masters uh, with you, Jim, and that's the belly putter. But uh, before we get into that, I want to bring in our two guests. Uh, we've got Dan Barton on the line from Rage Against the uh, Marlins. Dan uh, was on with us on Friday. Uh, Dan, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? Very, very good. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to bring your uh, your attorney, I believe, uh, Parker Felix, we've got on the line with us as well. And uh, Parker, Good afternoon. How are you doing? Felix, how are you? All right, very good. We appreciate both of you being here with us today. Um, when we last talked to Dan on Friday, uh, he had indicated, uh, Dan, you had indicated that you had had some contact from the Marlins themselves. Um, and for those that aren't familiar, Rage Against the Marlins is kind of this movement uh, of fans down in the Miami area who are um, very, very upset. And they, in my opinion, they have every right to be uh, mm-hmm. with the conduct of their team and the way things have gone and the ownership. And so Dan and a couple of his friends have gotten together and they've created a website and they have a web presence, a Facebook presence, and they're on Twitter. And, well, they had an unfortunate situation happen last Monday night when they were kind of chucked out of the ballpark. So Dan, give us the update, uh, or Parker, whoever's, whoever's doing the, the talking here. Oh, and I'm sorry. Andrew, this is, uh, it, 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 yeah, thanks, Dan. And it, it's Andrew Parker is actually the middle name, guys. But oh, okay. Wh- whatever. Sorry. No problem, <laughs> sorry, Andrew. Whatever Andrew. works. Yeah, it was. It was just, it, it, Jonathan had given it to me as Parker Felix. Okay, go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, and, and Dan, I'll just kind of give a brief update. We're still uh, in negotiations with uh, Marlins front office management. I've been in talks with uh, both Mr. Sampson and uh, their general counsel, Mr. Derek Johnson. And uh, those talks are still continuing. We're still investigating whatever civil remedies exist under Florida and federal law for these gentlemen, based upon what we appear is or what we perceive is a uh, extreme infringement on their First Amendment uh, and constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and that's where that's what the contact was essentially about on Friday. I mean, I had I had asked the question: Was there the possibility this could have been an olive branch? But it doesn't sound like necessarily it's an olive branch, huh? Well, I, I think any time there's something this egregious, there can always be uh, an olive branch extended. Um, I think we'll know more uh, in the next couple of days as to whether or not that olive branch has any validity as mm-hmm. to whether or not this can be resolved without the need for uh, for a federal lawsuit down in South Florida. Is that – I mean, wow, that this has kind of escalated a little bit further than where I kind of thought it was going to go. Uh, is that what we're looking at? Uh, it's a possibility what, of. Go ahead. I, like like I said previously, uh, you know these guys are, are lifelong fans. Um, what I've perceived and what I understand, they've done nothing wrong. They wanted to go to to a ball game. They want to go see their favorite team play, and instead, they get improperly ejected. Um, at the instruction of what we believe is Marlins management, kicking them out of the stadium because they didn't like what their T-shirts said. And all legal issues aside, the T-shirts are actually pretty hilarious. <laughs> and it gives a it gives a pretty good analysis of the current state of baseball operations down there in South Florida, in my humble opinion. Is um, it, is it uh, I, fair to ask what the actual T-shirts actually said? Yeah, you know, one of them said uh, Marlins baseball helping others get better since 1988. Um, you know, one of their signs said, free the Marlins. This is nothing that can be construed as obscene or profane or or anything that would have offended a fan. In fact, most people that have heard about their, their movement, if you will, and, and their ejection from the game, they've been met with praise and been met with others that, that share the same beliefs and feelings that these gentlemen do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back, go ahead. No, no, sorry. 
No, just back to your question about you know whether things are escalating. I don't think they're they're escalating, but uh, Mr. Barton and uh, his associated colleagues are just kind of wanting to explore what all exists out there in terms of what happens when someone tramples on your First Amendment rights. What are my options? What can I do? And, and filing a federal lawsuit is within that realm of of remedies. It's hard to believe it's gotten to this point. I mean, you guys are, to the best of my knowledge, Dan and, and company. Uh, you know, you're you're getting your point across in as peaceful a way as possible. It's not like you're, you know, doing the no ma'am treatment. Like, heck, no, we won't go. Hey, you're yelling to the top of your lungs like this. Did you ever think you would get, first of all, uh, such a reaction from the floor? Uh, I keep wanting to call them Florida, the Miami Marlins camp. And did you ever expect to get? Uh, and I've read so many sources. USA Today's picked up on this. Many other sources around the nation. So much support from not just South Florida, but from throughout the nation on your behalf. Um, when we started the website, you know, we we knew that we weren't the only ones that felt this way. We we thought that most of the town was uh, in agreement with us. Um, on the Marlins end, I really didn't think that you know we'd get under their skin that easily. Um, you know, since we aren't the only ones that feel this way. Uh, but you know, we're, we're more than enthused with where it's gone. Our goal in the beginning was, you know, just for something like this to, to get Laurie's name in the headlines and, and you know, ha- have him exposed for, for what he's done because there's a lot of people in this country that still, you know, don't know what, what's going on down here. Yeah, it goes back because, you know, Laurie did his misdoings in uh, another franchise before in Montreal years ago and, uh, it, you know, Deja vu, the sensation you've seen something you've already seen before happening in Miami. And as a Phillies fan, I actually feel sorry for you folks who are Marlins fans because you guys are getting bait and switched like no other. I mean, it's fire sale season every season seemingly down there, and it's a shame uh, the product that's put forth down there. And uh, the fan base obviously is turning away. Attendance is at an all-time low uh, for the franchise seemingly. Uh, Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, we actually... We actually have been getting a lot of support from uh, old Montreal Expos fans. I'm actually doing an interview later tonight with a guy uh, in Montreal. Very cool. Uh, let me ask, let me throw this out to, to both, I guess, uh, whoever wants to jump in on it, Dan or, or Andrew. Uh, the um, It just seems to me, I mean, we've got the situation here in uh, in Miami with uh, what appears to be perhaps an attempt by ownership to stifle uh, comment. We had a situation in Philadelphia a year ago when fans went in with signs against Andy Reid, and they were told that they had to take all of those down. Uh, we had a situation over that was reported apparently over this past weekend uh, in Arizona where Diamondbacks management apparently forced uh, uh, fans who were wearing the opposite team's uh, gear, forced them to uh, replace it with uh, Diamondbacks gear because they were seated in a in a particular position where they were seen on television. Um, is this a trend? Are we seeing more and more kind of, uh, of, of uh, I don't know, violations of individual? Yeah, like it comes off like it's more police state than anything else, doesn't it? Uh, Dan, do you want me to jump in there? Yeah, sure. Me. Go ahead. Okay. You know, guys, I, I think that each situation has to be reviewed individually, and a lot of legal issues come into play, like whether or not the facility that the team plays in has been 
publicly financed, like in the case of the Miami Marlins ballpark, where half a billion dollars in taxpayer municipal bonds were used to fund the construction of that place, or if it's privately owned. Now, there is a whole host of, of legal analysis that goes into play regarding whether or not it's a public facility, public place, and things of that nature. But I, I think it creates, like I said previously, a real slippery slope as to how much almost governmental power you're giving these private teams like the Marlins to regulate free speech and, and freedom of expression. And I, I think the impediment here is a lot of these individuals that are told, hey, you have to wear this T-shirt or you can't bring that sign in, don't have the gumption or the wherewithal to go out and maybe seek legal counsel and say, hey, is something inappropriate being done here? Yeah. Is there a remedy we can potentially explore? Good point. Uh, it's the old concept, uh, Jim. I think you and I have talked about it before ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know the, the the phraseology of sheeples. We've become yeah. a we've become a, a fan base that that just kind of goes along with whatever the management's pouring our way, and we frequently feel like we don't have any uh, recourse. You yeah. know, management doesn't have the ability to say, "Hey, you can cheer on our team," but in the event that we're not doing well or not playing well, or you don't like a decision we've made, that you can't boo our team. They can't they can't select freedom of expression or freedom of speech based on content. It's just like when Barry Bonds was going on his home run hoopla back in the day, and Major League Baseball issued a statement um, that there couldn't be any negative uh, press, if you will, from the teams in regards to uh, Barry Bonds. So they were instructing each individual franchise not to issue negative press or negative statements about Barry Bonds in his home run uh, chase. It's the same thing here. Where, Where does it stop? It's all about what's good for business, quote-unquote, and uh, the higher-ups in Miami are wanting to have their cake and eat it, too. Yes, they know the situation they put forth on the franchise and its loyal patrons and fans, but they can't handle when, you know, some of these fans, like like Dan and company, want to uh, shake things up and rage against the machine, and rightfully so. Jeff Loria and and his band of brothers, if you will, does not have <laughs> the authority to stand in the shoes of our federal government and tell us what is proper speech and what's not proper speech. End of story. Enough said. Mm-hmm. Enough said. Uh, all right, Dan, and listen, real quick, uh, when we spoke on Friday, you had a petition going. How's that? How's, what's the progress on that? Uh, the petition is up around a thousand signatures now. We it started to uh, slow down as we've as we've gotten further out of the headlines. Okay. Um, however, we still we still do have people signing it uh, every day. Uh, we're getting more and more people to the site, um, and we're getting more and more support on Facebook and Twitter. We're getting people, you know, we love the site. Keep it up. Thank you so much for doing this. It's about time somebody, you know, somebody did something like this and brought you know national attention to this story. Right. Your effort to keep things in the forefront, uh, that's still as strong as it was, say, on Friday? Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're still you moving know. forward. Andrew, let me ask you one, one final quick question to uh, to Andrew here. The, um, I had suggested on Friday to Dan that perhaps maybe what he ought to do is continue his protest, if you want to call it that, outside of the stadium. Would your recommendation under the current negotiations, apparently, that you've got going with the Marlins, would your recommendation be that he not do that? Well, I don't know that I could tell Mr. Barton what or what not to do. Um, I know that the Miami Marlins have a designated fan protest zone, uh, if you will 
call it that. <laughs> no, which I would uh, I would advise Mr. Barton. Uh, they're expecting yeah, I guess they were already they were expecting some type of a backlash based on their current operations. Um, you know, I would suggest that Mr. Barton and his friends can comport with all those rules and regulations as to not run afoul of any local or other municipal uh, laws or ordinances. But um, we'll keep you abreast of uh, the status of these negotiations and what our next move will be. All right. Sounds good. Please stay in touch with us on what's going on because we definitely want to follow this story through and uh, see uh, a proper result, shall we say. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you giving us the update. And, uh, well, we wish Dan and his group, uh, you know, the greatest success with this. Uh, Whatever that success might be, at least to get the attention of that team and get them to understand that there's a fan base there that needs uh, to be respected. Respected is the word I'm using. Absolutely. I, I think you know, that's the best way thing. to classify it. Mm. All uh, right. One well, quick thing. Guys. Yeah. Um, us as Marlins fans have always gotten ridicule as as being bad baseball fans. And, Correct. And people say this isn't this isn't a baseball town, and they should move the team and this and that. But you know, the fact of the matter is, is that you know, down here in the summer, it's hot. It rains. When you go down to that old the old stadium and sit in the rain, and, and you know, the summer games. You know, we're not bad fans, but. After after everything we've been through, you know, we've been through several roster purges, sitting in the heat, the rain. You know, now we finally get a new stadium that's air-conditioned with a roof, and we go through another roster purge. And we're, we're not bad baseball fans. Right. And, you know, if anything, we're great baseball fans for sticking by our team as long as we have. I, res- I respect it, Dan, and as you well know I do, uh, I pointed out exactly what you're saying way back in November when I said that Marlins fans frequently do not get the respect they need uh, particularly from outside fans. We look at it and say, look at this town, they're not supporting their team. But I know for a fact that there are a lot, like yourself, that do, and those fans deserve better than what they've gotten. Absolutely. So, Thank you, Mike. I wish both of you the best. Uh, keep it up and stay in touch. Thanks very much for joining us again today. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Thank, Thank you. Good luck. Bye-bye. Take care now. Oh, boy. Wow, that got that got heated. That got that, wow, that got that heated. Was... That got heated fast. And I gotta be honest, I didn't quite expect to hear what I heard there, which was, uh, you know, we're pursuing uh, legal proceedings. Continue. It's. Uh, I really thought this was yeah. going to be something. And I thought they were going to come on and tell us, well, well, you know, hey, the Marlins have reached out to us. They feel very bad. You know, they've offered us, I don't know, season tickets or something. You know, but, but when I you thought think that about was it. Deal. But when you think about it, this is a Jeffrey Loria-owned team. They're looking at this as, hey, any publicity is good publicity, so we're back in the news again. Yeah, we're back. Yeah. Oh, I don't but, know. I don't know. Really? You think so? I, I, no, you, I think they're trying to – I listen, the man is an egotistical prick, uh, the, yeah. uh, Jeffrey Loria. And, you know, he wants to stroke his own insatiable ego by having his name out there. And, you know, it, it deflects. It's like a bob and weave effect. Hey, they're talking about stuff that deflects from other things that could be going on that we don't know about. Yeah. Uh, so this is an interesting story to follow, and we'll be following it here on Fan Junkies Radio in the coming uh, days, weeks, months, whoever. Who knows how long this could go. Absolutely. So. Absolutely, because it sounds like it could start to get a little bit protracted. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're going – honest to goodness, I can see this going to court. I really could. Yep, yep. Oh. All right, one more. Uh, listen, I, I, before we brought the uh, Dan and uh, and Andrew uh, Felix on, I had one more quick little 
a comment that I want to throw out about the Masters uh, to you. Let's get back in a hushed voice. Yeah, right. Let's go back. Let's go back over to fourteen. the now he's going for quintuple bogey again. Yes. Yeah, has has Sidekick nailed that yet, or is he still over there struggling with that? Uh, sidekick right now is building a sandcastle. Ah, he's in the trap. Yeah. Um, the controversy over the long, the the the, the, the very long sticked belly putters. Looked like uh, a freaking stilt to me, but okay, yeah. I mean, frankly, look, I'm a purist, okay? I, I'm really, I'm a purist in all of my sports, and uh, golf being no different than all the others. That thing not only looks stupid, but the, you see the size of the head on this thing? I mean, for God's sake, you couldn't miss, you couldn't miss know-how with a, with a putter that looks like that. Now, apparently, there is talk that these things are going to be... Eh, they're going to axe them out. Uh, that you're not going to see them. They're going to they're going to make them, um, I guess, illegal for one of a better for one of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. What, what what's your stand on these things? Apparently, from what I understand, they have uh, these very type of putters have been involved in the last four winning uh, Masters tournaments. I don't know what to think because, in one respect, yes, it seems like it's easier to use these putters, but in another, you know. It looks like it's difficult to maneuver them as well. Um, you know, I, I'm a traditionalist too. If I'm going to putt, I figure it's all in my hands. It's not on my chest or my. It, it looked like it was up to his neck. Yeah. Uh, uh, Scott uh, yesterday at, at Augusta. I, I'm traditionalist too. I would not be upset if belly putters got uh, eliminated altogether because there's an art to putting, if you ask me, that uh, is somewhat taken away, I guess. Uh, for lack of better terms, it's uh, I, words escape me. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. The one thing I will say for it is this: it's not a good look, folks. It's definitely not a good look. You do not look smart. You do not look cool with that thing in your hand. Oh, uh, but chicks, chicks dig the belly button. Come on. <laughs> it's like, ooh, you could stick that near your neck. Guess Uh-oh. what? Oh, uh, hey, 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 oh. Uh, three four seven two three seven five three seven three, folks. If you've got anything on your mind, give us a holler right here. Talk to us. What's your thinking on belly putters or That's anything right. else? <laughs> Help the love of all that is good. Oh. Uh, we had quite a few. Uh, well, controversial. I, I, you know what? I, you know, it's funny. I feel like I'm doing an update show. Monday's our update show to everything we talked about on Friday. We should have the Robert Stack Unsolved Mysteries update sting or something. Really, really. Uh, we're going to update a couple of baseball things that we talked about here a little bit on Friday. Jonathan and I did. Um, and so you're going to get the benefit of uh, of uh, being the Jonathan role in this one, I guess. Okay. Uh, uh, Thank you. We, we witnessed, everybody's witnessed, uh, the brawl from the other night. Yeah. Uh, between the San Diego Padres and uh, the Los Angeles uh, Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Carlos Quentin uh, storms the mound, and uh, in the end, uh, Zach Greinke uh, ultimately uh, incurs a broken uh, collarbone. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Comes down on Saturday. Major League Baseball suspends Carlos Quentin eight games, and Jerry Harrison Jr., he gets suspended uh, one game uh, for continuing to incite I guess the riot. <laughs> that is fertilizer. Uh, Vince Scully said, "Yes." Yeah, really. Is that what he said? Vince Scully yes. said that. 
that, that's, yes, fertilizer. that's fertilizer. That's, that's right. blinking fertilizer. Uh, no, you said that during the actual whole thing, not about the suspensions. Oh, okay. Uh, I, for one, have my personal opinion about the suspensions. And uh, Quentin obviously did as well. Carlos Quentin did as well initially when he indicated that he was going to appeal the suspensions. And then yesterday uh, promptly does an about face and says, no, I'm not going to appeal the suspensions. I'll sit the eight games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Jim. Yes. What do you think of these suspensions? Are you with them? Are you against them? Do you think it's too long? What's what's your feeling on this? We're going to probably have a disagreement here. I think the punishment fits the crime, and I'll tell you for why. Quentin is a habitual line stepper when it comes to being in the batter's box. He has a target all over his body. Uh, he's he's been hit like a hundred some odd times in his career. Uh, he you know, and, and the thing between him and Granky is, I think Granky hit him three. This was the third time Granky has hit him, so they have a history. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you just gotta let it slide, and Quinnen is not one to let things slide, so he let things escalate. And granted, I think Granky, uh, when it comes to the injury that Granky got, Granky deserved it because he put himself in that position. He egged him on a little bit. Uh, so, and it's something we're going to talk about when we record, uh, my baseball podcast later this evening, which you will be a guest on, yes. cheap plug. Uh, I think Reiki really injured himself, not so much Quentin injuring him. Uh, so, uh, the punishment fits the crime. I, now, I know you have a different take on this, and I'll, I'll defer to you right now. I, I, well, I have two takes on it. Number one, I'll throw this out. Uh, and I'll throw it out by way of a question to you. Yes. Uh, would it be an eight-game suspension if it wasn't Zach Greinke, but uh, say some minor league uh, pitcher who they had just brought up from uh, d- d- AAA ball? No, it would probably be closer to a four or five-game suspension. There you go. My point exactly. Thank you. Okay. All right. So so, I'm but, go but, they look, but they look at history, and you know this as well as I do. The sanctioning body of Major League Baseball looks at a player's history, uh, not just you know how many times they've been involved in these kind of uh, Donnie Brooks but also uh, the history of who the pitcher and batter are. Uh, should Granky be suspended? Well, if he didn't get injured, yes, he should be suspended for a couple of starts as well. And don't get me started on the whole concept of pitchers getting suspended for X number of games. It should be for X number of starts, not games. But uh, Correct. Uh, yeah, you know. the, the games thing is, is, is stupid, Ridiculous. I agree with you. Uh, the other direction I go with it is, uh, as long as we have seen baseball, we have seen bench-clearing brawls. We it's have a part seen- of the game. We have, seen guys, exactly, we have seen guys storm the mound. Uh, if you buzz them, if you get too close, if you come in too tight, if you give them a little... Uh, 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 music. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you, listen, be prepared for it. It's going to happen. They're going to fly at you. Um, to me, by suspending the hitter for as long as he did here, in many respects, I kind of feel that what it's done is it's put an artificial bubble around the pitcher. Meaning that the pitcher now can stand up there and say, listen, I can throw whatever the hell I want at you. And guess what? If you come anywhere near me, I know you're going to get suspended. Because now we have a precedent for it. So in many respects, it's almost like many of the quarterback uh, rules that have been put out there, where we're now suddenly going to protect the pitcher. To me, the brawl, the storming of the mound, that was always the player's last players, that's plural, last resort to policing themselves. And in some respects, you've taken that out now with this kind of precedent. 
I don't think you've completely taken that out. You will never completely take it out. It'll always be a part of the game. But I see where I see where your line of thinking is. Uh, you know, you're never going to prevent these kind of things from happening. They're going to happen. Uh, it's uh, it makes for good TV, as far as I'm concerned. I love seeing a, a bench clearing brawl, bench clearing slash bullpen clearing. That's the best. Exactly. Everybody and their sister coming out. And I understand the self policing, but. And especially now that somebody got injured, oh no! Now, now this is horrible. This is not a good thing. Somebody got seriously injured, Granky for uh, uh, the Dodgers. Yeah, but again, I'm going to come back to it. Granky injured himself by you know egging himself on. I mean, I don't know if anything was specifically said, but you could see him mouthing words like "you want to go," something like that. Exactly. To uh, to Quentin. It's two wrongs don't make a right to me. It takes two to tango in this instance, and you know I I put it as a fifty fifty thing. Yes, the batter charged, but you know what the pitcher provoked, and I don't mean with the pitch. I mean something can be said afterwards, you know. Right. And and when that happens, all bets are off. Sometimes you lose a collarbone, other times you're Robin Ventura getting schooled by Nolan Ryan. Yeah, one of the greatest one of the greatest mound uh, conversations oh. ever ventura getting his you know what whipped by old man nolan ryan legendary you're not kidding you're not kidding well i think the, i think it's unfortunate that uh in in my opinion i think it's unfortunate that carlos quentin decided to drop the appeal i frankly thought <laughs> that he should have continued with the appeal because i think that it would have gotten uh bounced down a little bit i really do well here's the thing and you i think you know as well as i do why he Drop the appeal. Who are the Padres playing this week? Uh, the Dodgers. The Dodgers, yes. At Dodger Stadium. You know that that could have been, well, first of all, it would have been great TV for me to watch. Absolutely. But you know, you know he would have been, you know, he already is enemy number one at Chavez Ravine. But you know they were going to throw something at him early on, and it would have started another brawl between these two teams, and we can't have that. Everybody has to play nicely, rolls eyes in back of head. Right, right. So, so I think that's why. It's like, you know what, I don't want to go to Los Angeles right now. Talk to me in, you know, later in the summer. Then I think everything will cool down. But, so yeah. you think it was you think it was kind of manipulated because of the fact that they've got that, uh, that series coming up? I, I absolutely believe so. Okay. Absolutely. All right, uh, we've got a call coming in here from the 516 area code. Perhaps they have a different opinion on it. Let's find out what they've got on their mind. 516, go ahead. Hey, you guys, this is Bill from Long Island. I definitely have a different opinion from you guys. Go ahead. All right, Bill, shoot. Um, we all know it was he was suspended for, you know, the eight games and whatnot, and probably they got the, you know, normally for charging a man you get five games because you get what the pitcher would get these days. Right. He probably got the couple extra for charging Granky and hurting Granky. But to say, I, people are missing the boat. He got hit on a 3-2 pitch as a leadoff batter in like a one-run game in the seventh inning. I mean, I don't think Granky by any means provoked him. I mean, I'm, I don't have a, I don't have a, you know, a horse in the race. I'm not a Dodger fan nor am I a Padre fan. Mm-hmm. But the, the ball was clearly inside. Quinton never flinched. Ever think Grinky just said like, "What are you doing? Why would I hit you on three 2 The context of it made no sense whatsoever to me. I, I think you bring up a valid point. I think Jim though was referring to the fact that there might have been a confrontation after the fact because if you watch the video, you see Quentin take a step forward, you see Grinky come off the mound, he mouths something to uh, Quentin. That's when Quentin takes off. So I think that there was actually some sort of verbal uh, confrontation that went on between the two. 
I, I, I mean, I watched it a few times. Like he was walking. He his first step when he got hit was he didn't walk toward first. He walked directly at home at at, at Grinky. But correct. Grinky might have said like, "What are you doing? I'm not trying." I mean, he, there's been a history. That was the third time he got hit. But and we don't know the. We no one knows you. You nor I know the context when she got hit last time. But getting hit on a three-two pitch in a one-run game, it, it makes no sense to me why Quentin charged. I, I don't get it. Okay, so then in other words, Bill, what you're saying is you're copacetic with the eight-game suspension for Quentin. You don't have any issue with it. Not really, because you know what? It seems like the five is the norm for a pitch, and I think they've kind of normalized that with the batter as well. And maybe because of the context of the fight, and, you know, it wasn't just one fight. It went on a little bit, mm-hmm. and that he knocked Grinky out for two months. So maybe they gave him a couple extra games. That I right. could see that's their thinking. But mm-hmm. I would, you know... I think he was an idiot for charging, to be honest. Yeah, um, I agree. But, you know, if five games, eight games, it, it, does it matter? I mean, a well, little bit. For but, the Padres, it doesn't, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. Yeah, the Padres right now are, what, the second worst team in uh, Major League Baseball? I think they've got the same record as the Miami Marlins at the point at this point. So, mm-hmm. um, But, uh, no, I, I hear where you're coming from, Bill, and I respect that. I think that's, you know, that's fine. I still... I still kind of feel that uh, we need to let the players police themselves, and I think that it, it sets a dangerous precedent uh, for pitchers to be able to do whatever they want uh, when they're up on the mound. They can fire it inside. They can hit a guy, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. It just seems to me that there's a, there's a precedent being set there. Well, I think if you if you want to make that argument, I would say half of baseball already has that bubble because there's the American League DH. Yes. Um, Very true. So, so I, I don't. I really don't think it's valid. I still think they can police it on the field, but I, it's really got to be context. It's not like you know, I'm an I'm an East Coast guy. It's not like when Jabba Chamberlain threw it Euclid regularly. I mean, that right. was blatant. That should have been more. That would be more of an eight game, you know, suspension really on Jabba's part. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, over the you know, because there was definitely a history there. But and you know, that was often when the game was you know a little one sided, but. It, it just the whole like you know for the baseball purist in me that the context of the game it's a one run game in a rivalry team struggling a little bit why is he char- why is he hitting you why does he want to put the tying run first and why is he why are you charging him out it's right. just very yeah. mind boggling really yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it like I said, it takes two to tango, and, and thank you for bringing up the situation, because I think that you're absolutely right. That's an important thing to note, the circumstances of when this pitch occurred. Uh, it's mind-numbing, and, you know, I again, like I mentioned, I hate to say it, Frankie got what he deserved in terms of the injury because he set himself up for this. Uh, if you're going to, uh, you know... You know, I, and I'm not saying he purposely threw at him. I'm not saying that. But if you're going to, like I say, I use the word provoke, maybe that's not the right term, uh, after the pitch was made, and it looked like to me he provoked Quentin into coming out and having a little uh, meeting right. on the mound, quote-unquote. Right. You know, all bets are off, and you get injured, uh, tough new gats to you, and you're, <laughs> the Los Angeles Dodgers experiment with him already starting off with flying colors, rolls eyes and back of head again. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> All right, Bill, we thank you for your comments. Uh, make, make sure you call in again, will you? All right, you got it. Enjoy the show. All right, thanks. All right, thank you, Bill. Bill from Long Island checking in. Much appreciated. Yep. All right. Uh, Jim, I'm going to change things up here a little bit. Uh, we were going to get into the whole uh, A-Rod uh, uh, going out and purchasing uh, documents from Staples. Um, but I think we're... 
<laughs> you and I are planning on going over that with a with a number of other folks tonight on your uh on your podcast which will be airing when Wednesday or Thursday over on clw83.com, right? Yeah, the uh, podcast is called Touch Em All and you've graciously uh, allowed yourself to be a guest. You'll regret it later. <laughs> and uh, no, we we talk for an hour and a half, 2 hours about uh uh, the best uh, in baseball. We do the sh- podcast every other week, so we have plenty to talk about. Some weeks are just, you know, not much is going on. And among the topics we'll talk about, like you mentioned, A-Rod with the performance-enhancing drug uh, uh, documentation. And uh, we'll also talk about a couple of pitchers who came close to no-hitters in perfect games and uh, some other doings around Major League Baseball. Again, touch them all, clw83.com. You can go to facebook.com slash touch them all and uh, find some of the stories we're talking about right now. Yeah, so I think because we're running a little bit long here, we had uh, our guests on, and then we got... And, and by all means, we're, we're grateful we have them on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, no, I, I appreciate that. I You know, I, yes. I prefer the interaction from callers and fans all about and, the peeps. And, and, and folks that are calling into the show. So I prefer that. But uh, there are two stories I do want to get to if we can. Uh, yeah. One of them is kind of breaking, but let's, uh, before we get to that one... Uh, Let's uh, go over and take a look at the uh, Los Angeles Lakers real quick. Uh, <laughs> this has been one of Jonathan's and my favorite topic uh, all season long. I think we started talking about them, uh, oh, I think in around game five or so, uh, right after they went and fired their coach and put in uh, Mike D'Antoni. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it just hasn't stopped since then. Um, but it might be stopping or coming at least to a screeching halt at this point now with Kobe Bryant uh, the other night suffering a torn Achilles, and that's it. Kaput, done for him uh, for the rest of the season and any possibility, possibility now, I say, of the L.A. Lakers getting into the playoffs. Right now, they still hold on to that eight spot. Uh, what's your sense on this one, Jim? Well, the Lakers are in an interesting situation. They win, they're in, because they're down to, I believe, their final game of the season. And let me just check uh, very quickly who they are playing in said uh, contest. I'll tell you this right now. Yeah, they're going to be facing the Houston Rockets, which, you know, isn't a, isn't necessarily a uh, a gimme game because Houston's, uh, you know, fighting to stay on the sixth seed and what have you. Uh Utah is the team that can overtake them for the eighth spot. They are a game and a half back at 42 and 38. Now, Utah needs to win out and hope the Lakers lose to get the eighth spot. Utah's schedule is tonight. They face Minnesota in Minnesota, a uh, Minnesota team that is playing for nothing as they're 30 and 50. Correct. And then they end the season Wednesday night against the Memphis Grizzlies, a Mm. team that uh conceivably can move up to i believe they can move up to the 4 spot uh they could if not they're either going to be a 4 or a 5 seed out uh, in the west so they have something to play for well they're playing at that point they're playing for home court exactly they're playing for home court for the first round absolutely i'm just making sure of uh, the seeding cuz denver the clippers and memphis are separated by one game in the uh, in the seedings uh I still have a funny feeling the Lakers back their way into the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think the I think for their sake the injury came had it been a had it been a week before or a week and a half before. Been true. It, I think it would have been I think it would have had a much greater impact. I agree with you. I think they're probably going to back their way in. Uh, at this point right now, uh, they're going to be taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, yeah, that that the password. Are is we looking at four and Is that four and Yeah. Yeah, I, I I would say so. I would say because. Outside of Kobe, can you really put your faith in any of the starting five? 
No. You, I, I said it on the Saturday program right here on uh, on our Frat House Saturday show. Uh, look, I'm not a coach. And in fact, I think he's probably one of the most egocentric uh, players in all of NBA. But you have to give it to him for what he's done with this team. He literally, and I hate to use the old cliche, he literally has carried them on his back Absolutely. into the playoffs. Absolutely. And, and this is a team, of course, that was uh, kind of from Jump Street looking at the behind the eight ball because of, ooh, the co- coaching controversy. Maybe we can get Uncle Phil back so he can look at his back and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, it, it, it's nice to see the Lakers kind of in a little bit of dire straits for once. <laughs> and I'm not biased being a 76ers quote-unquote fan. More on that in a moment. Yeah. But uh, the Lakers are probably going to back in, and you cannot deny the lower Marion product, uh, Kobe Bryant. He is that team. And I find it funny. I'm reading various things on ESPN and other sites. Rumors about them trading Kobe. They're not going to trade Kobe. I do not see that no, happening. I don't either. He is that franchise. But, you know, he is that Michael Jordan to the Los Angeles Lakers, even though he couldn't hold Jordan's jock. But right. You get the right. idea. Well, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're without you're without Kobe at this point. Right. And so, therefore... What are we going to write about? We got to write about something. Let's write about the possibility that they may, you know, we've become such a, a blogging uh, media anymore that you know, for God's sake, they put articles out about every possible speculative thing, whether it has any merit to it or not. And Everybody's uh, frankly, an armchair quarterback. Yeah. You got it. I, I agree with you. I think that that's a ludicrous uh, concept to believe that that would even happen. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, there's our update on the Lakers. It's kind of unfortunate if you are a Lakers fan, uh, somewhat unfortunate there. It appears you're probably going to get into the playoffs, but we don't think you're going to be there too, too long. Yeah, if you if you want to ride an L.A. team that might go deep in the playoffs, uh, the, uh, the Clip Show. Yep, yeah, the Clippers, who are right now uh, in the number four spot. Yes. Um, disasters. Uh, let's go talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, as you just alluded to. Oh um, thirty-three and forty-seven, and what are we looking at? We're looking at two games, I think, remaining on their schedule for the Seventy-Sixers, mm-hmm. and all reports are right now uh, those will be the last two uh, games that uh, head coach Doug Collins uh, is behind is on the bench. Uh, he's done. Uh, yeah. Apparently, he has indicated to, to the brass there that uh, he does not wish to return next year. Uh, personally, uh, Jim, I don't frankly blame him. I think that this has been a very, very difficult year. I think that he was kind of um, – I, I, I really feel that in some respects he was kind of hoodwinked. Um, and, and you know, then you had all the nonsense last week where all the reports are coming out uh, that, that front office front office personnel would not be very – would not be unhappy, pardon my double negative, if he didn't return. How's the guy supposed to feel when when you're doing the best you can with the kind of direct you've got and you were promised a big-time star. I can only say this much. In October, and I'm going to relate this to me personally, in October of last year, I had the chance to audition for Adam Aaron to be the public address voice for the 76ers. I am glad I am not working for Adam Aaron, ladies and gentlemen. What a load of poppycock. Can I say that again? Yes, poppycock. The Sixers have become... So many promises, so little fulfillment. I mean, the Andrew Bynum thing has, you know what, that's what this season came down to. Doug Collins did not screw over the Sixers. The Sixers screwed over Doug Collins. So let me say this. Doug Collins is not a great head coach. Never has been, never will be. 
He's good. You go back to his days in Chicago, he had all the pieces in place that Phil Jackson would later take to six championships, but couldn't get the job done. But he's a good coach. He can he can relate to players. The the team was just lost on him, but yeah. not because of not because of Collins is doing. It's the higher ups that pretty much screwed with the mentality of the entire franchise and its fan base. The reports have been though, Jim, that yes, he can relate to players, but for only about eighteen months at a time. After that, they start to lose it because the guy's such a such a, a heavy-handed sort uh, out there during practices and during games. Uh, did he lose the team? I I think it's more ownership that lost this team. Okay, I really, I really think the Andrew Bynum bill of goods that was sold upon this team it inspired people early on, and then reality hit, and you've got damaged goods that are not even goods. Mm-hmm. And what the hell do you have to play for at that point? Mm-hmm. Granted, the the parts of the sum when Drew Holiday's your best player, you got problems. I mean, this team oh, last year overachieved and then some, and they got they, let's not let's call a spade a spade. They got a lucky break with the injuries served by Chicago in the first round of the oh, playoffs no doubt about last year. Yeah, let's call a spade a spade. Great as that was against the healthy Chicago team, they could have easily been swept. Right, I agree. But. Uh, they were just demoralized from from day one. I don't fault Collins. If you're if you're wanting me to put blame on to why the team is the way it is, eighty percent of it goes to management, and I mean, you know, fat cats, corporate suits, what have you. Maybe fifteen or twenty percent goes to Collins. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, the the talent sucks. The, the team sucks. You know this, and I know this, and and it's looking like we're going back to the Dana Barrows era for God's sakes. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, so. Uh, you know, Adam Aaron's lost a lot of my respect, and not because he didn't hire me, but because of <laughs> because because of the I wouldn't want to call this team. I'm too tell it like it is. Uh, it, it's a shame for the fans of the city, a great basketball city, and with so much rich history, it's a shame that their 50th anniversary season has been uh, a year of 50 lies and, and untruths being told to them. Yeah, I hear you. I, uh, I, to me, I think it's unfortunate. I like Doug Collins. He's one of us. Um, yeah. you, you know, I kind of feel the same way uh, when Mo Cheeks was escorted out of town as well. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, the team didn't play defense this year. I think that he did lose them a little bit there. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, we'll see where it goes, I guess. We'll see well, where it all goes. Do you know point. where Doug Collins is going to be going in another week or two? Oh, or sure. He'll be, he'll, be up doing, he'll be up doing some color analysis for the playoffs. With uh, with me, Marv Albert. There he is. All right, uh, Jim, I want to thank you for uh, stepping in as you do so beautifully every once in a while for us here. Every once in a while I do it beautifully. Okay, nice talk. <laughs> I know what you meant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nicely Thank done. You. Listen, it won't be long. What, we got about just a couple of hours. You and I will be back at this again. So, um, You'll so, be sick of me by then. Trust. Thank you. Thank you for joining uh, me today. Uh, it's been a good one. Um, make sure, folks, that you're tuning in. I believe Wrestle Chat is on tomorrow night. Wrestle Chat tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, Tuesday night, 9 o'clock. Uh, we'll see what we can do. We might have a guest. Uh, nothing official yet. I've got to talk with Brett about that. So There you go. There you uh, go. WrestleChat.net. Find out more, smirk. Jim Williams, Brett Clendaniel, and Jonathan Regis tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And then, of course, we'll be back here with you on Wednesday for Fan Junkies Radio uh, at 12 noon. Jonathan will be back with me at that point. So, all right. 
That's it for our show today. We thank you all for tuning in, as always. And, Jim, again, thanks very much. No problem. So long, everybody. Take care.